You're very welcome to the selection box from an Irishman Abroad podcast and the Irishman Abroad podcast network to hear all of our episodes, all four weekly episodes. Marion McKeown, myself on a Sunday with our feature interview. And of course, Sonia Sullivan on a Tuesday. I'm navigating my own injury woes at the moment with her. But we're coming out the other side. Five weeks into a stress fracture, Sonia has me on the road to repair. So if you're someone that's experienced the odd niggle or injury and you need some advice, there's no one better than Sonia Sullivan on a Tuesday. That's all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. But today is, of course, our arts and culture show. And joining me again is the legend, Tom Dunn, to talk about a whole host of stuff, including new albums, books, documentaries. And of course, as always, we have to make room for Bob Dylan in there somewhere, don't we, Tom? Definitely. Absolutely. The man's going to be 80 on uh, on Monday. The, uh, is that the 24th? The 24th, he'll be 80 years old. And I think it's good to celebrate these people while they're alive, while they get the chance to. And he is one of the most remarkable men of the 20th century, a giant of the 20th century. When people talk about great literature and writers, um, it took an awful long time for people to recognise and catch up with the fact that Bob Dylan was just as great a writer as any of the greats of the 20th century and, and won the Pulitzer Prize and deservedly so, and probably changed more lives of people who, who listen to this than possibly any other musician in the history of music. What do you get Bob Dylan for his 80th birthday, though? That's the question. Like, What do you get the man? <laughs> I would imagine he's a hard man to buy for. You you know, uh, this is my uncle's 80th this week as well. Shout out to Uncle Morris. And I'd imagine that that's like that's an age that no one thought Bob Dylan would reach. No, um, although he was never that wild. When we looked at the wild people of rock, he was never one of them. He was kind of liked his joint and that kind of thing. But then more than anything else, committed to um, touring. And I have a a sneaking suspicion that touring, if you do it properly and you you aren't jumping out of hotel windows, is one of those things that keeps you alive. I think performing keeps you alive. I think singing in particular keeps you alive. I think using your lung capacity like that is a really, really good thing to do. And then he's, he's engaged creatively. He's just, he he leads a good life. Mm. What you'd get about that is something really simple that people close to him know that he just lied. That it's something really, you know, slightly hard to get like potato crisps or one of those things. It's just <laughs> the last thing in the world you would expect that he goes, ah, honestly, that's so good of you, Mac. Macaroon bars, Silverman, Ireland, Silverman, the 60s. I had a few of them and I never forgot about them. Those Irish, they lived the lives and they, over the moon, over the moon. Your own, your own heart issue, Tom. What, like, you, you, for people that don't know, you know, you, you came, you had a real scare. And I, I mean, you're a man who knows a thing or two about touring. It, it obviously was attributed to something or do they not give you a reason in that situation? Do they go, they just go, this is just a thing that's in your family? Yeah, it was in my family and, and I was very defensive about that. The idea that it would be a lifestyle issue, I would have I would have been very angry with myself about if I was doing something, if I was smoking and that was causing me heart issues, I, I would have hated myself or if I was drinking too much, I would have felt the same or even my diet. I think any of those things that you've control over, I'd really be annoyed with myself if I let them have such a catastrophic effect on my health, I'd really be annoyed. 
Um, but no, it was it was uh, diagnosed as a child. Well, it wasn't. No, it was it was there was rumors of it as a child because my my uncle had had something, and any time I was out of breath, they would look at me and think, "I wonder, I wonder." But then uh, in later life, around when I was about um, forty-two or so. I was diagnosed during a medical and I couldn't believe it. It was really, it was very severe, very quickly. It was very serious, uh, very quickly. And they were saying this, you have a thing called a bicuspid valve right in the center of your aorta. It's a defect in your aorta and it's aging your heart faster. And a condition that should happen to you in your 80s is probably going to happen to you in your 50s. And the only way we can fix it is to operate on your heart. So all of these things are, are very scary bits of news. And that's where it stayed then. It stayed there for 15 years. It didn't do very much at all. And during that entire time, I, I would go to annual checkups and I le- led a normal life. And every year the cardiologist would say, you know, cycle as much as you can and, and continue to play football and just live a healthy life. Uh, look after yourself the way you are. But this will progress. And and then it did progress. And two years ago, it all got very serious very quickly. And I had to go into hospital. And that was like being knocked down by a bus. I was only thinking about it today because I was playing Heaven 17 on the show. Um, one of the things that I clung to during the surgery was this uh, nurse who'd come into me at nighttime, who was a Heaven 17 fan. And um, we would sit up talking about music and he'd been in bands and he was a really nice guy to talk to. But I can't hear Heaven 17 without being brought back to. I went into surgery the way I am now with you. And then I came back from surgery. I was gone. I was in ICU for six days. And when I came back, I was 10 kilograms heavier. Can you imagine that? Wow. I gained 10 kilograms in ICU. And, and how long were you in there? Six days. That's, and that's, all, that's 10 kilos in six days. Mm. Whoa. And um, just had very bad memories of nightmares and all this kind of stuff. Really, really bad nightmares. And then came two nurse offering me ice cream. A few hours later, I was back on the ward and I was seeing Audrey and I could look. The moment I saw Audrey, I saw this harrowed look about her. And I could tell she'd had a harder time than I had. Hmm. And she just kind of looked at me and said, we, we won't talk about it now. And we, well, we almost never have. We almost never have. It was because she was going in expecting to hear news that he's fine, he's coming around. And they're saying, no, he's, he's not, he's not coming around. And then going back in and saying, yeah, his kidneys have failed. Now that, that happens. Don't worry about it. There's no way you don't worry about those things if someone says something like that to you. So every time she would go in, I'd still be in ICU, uh, in a coma. So, um, and her friends would be going, and how is he? And she was almost afraid to say. So she'd six days of that. But then from the moment I was back on that ward, it just felt like normality. Now, when I looked in the mirror, I did look like I'd been knocked down by a bus. There was blood everywhere and scars and cuts and stitches. Like I was in, and, and I was heavier as well, so I was in smithereens. But I was slowly, slowly on, on a recovery path from that moment onwards. And um, I think it took probably about two months in total before I was back to being able to walk pretty normally. It took that long. Wow. But, uh, but I was always, from, from the moment I, I was sitting up, I was reading books, I was listening to music, and I was just starting to do little bits of exercise. And I was on a path. And I remember my best friend in America kept texting me and saying, tiny steps, just concentrate, tiny steps. And that's all I could do. So Whoa. one day I was able to do one lap of the uh, of the wing. 
And after about a week, I was able to do four laps of the wing. And that was, you know, one day in December, I was only able to make it to the Dart station, which is right beside us. And then about two weeks later, I was able to make it to the news agents and buy myself a paper, which felt like the greatest news ever. And on Christmas Day, I was able to walk most of the pier. And that was it. Every day there was a new little little, little bit further. And then by the end of January, I was able to go back to work because what I do is very easy um, physically. So, uh, Tom, yeah. like, there's no way that you can come out of that and view the world the same way. No, you can't. And I, I signed up for um, physio, cardiac related physio, and uh, I, I signed up for that big time. I was back on a treadmill in March and I can remember you know, I, I had wires hanging out of me everywhere. So they monitored my heart, you know, <laughs> and a cardiac nurse standing beside me. Um, but uh, I felt so good to be back. And, and I ran for about two minutes and, and the nurse was saying, it's really amazing that you're able to run for that, that time. So that kind of wet my appetite. So I signed up for a weekly cardiac one and, and I was dealing with a particular nurse every Tuesday. I was I was aiming to be able to run for 20 minutes on the treadmill and I'd gotten up to around 12 minutes when COVID-19 kicked in wow. and it all came to an end. But But she was saying, that you're starting to reach the point where you might like to talk to somebody about this. And and she was saying essentially that a year after the surgery, it's so traumatic that you can't really talk about it. And the best mm. thing to do is to just bury it and, and concentrate on your, your physical recovery. But at some point, it's often very good if you do sit down and talk to somebody. So I was just reaching that point of thinking, I'd really like to talk to somebody now. And then COVID-19 kicked in. As you know, that's been that's been nearly 15 months at this point. Wow. So we have to wait till this COVID finally goes away and then I'll, I'll return to cardiac, the physio, and then we'll see. It, it may be too late because I think the issues that I was having...